so yeah, I appreciate everything from the uh, the Argos, the one or two guys who uh, didn't believe in me. Uh, you're going to find out next year. Welcome to the Waggle alongside Uncle Chezzy, as he likes to be affectionately called, Davis Sanchez, the one, the only three-time Great Cup champion. My name is James Sabalski. Welcome to another exciting edition of the Waggle. How you doing, everybody? The CFL Combine is well past us now. Numbers the, are being crunched the again. Seven, the seven-time Gemini Award-winning James Sabalski, only been in media six years and still won the award seven times. <laughs> seven How time. you like me now? They don't call it a Gemini anymore. But it was so when it means, you just won, sounds though. like I'm fronting now when I say that. But <laughs> why don't we say eight times just to say it with confidence and a nice, robust, even number. A figure eight. Just like a pear-shaped frame of figure eight. Okay. Uh, hey, listen. Lots to get to. Lots of news and notes. Uh, a, a surprising retirement to discuss uh, this past week in the Canadian Football League. A team is up for grabs to the highest bidder. But let's jump into it. We're probably the most salacious story. The one that raised the most eyebrows, Davis, is the story involving Ricky Foley and sending out a tweet uh, last Friday saying that he had been cut via text message by the Toronto Argonauts. So let's get to the bottom of this story. And uh, for more on this, we are going to go right to the horse's mouth and uh bring in, I guess, one of the hottest free agents, maybe the hottest free agent pass rusher that's available on the market now and probably surprising a lot of teams across the league. Pretty, R- pretty Ricky. Pretty Rizzy. Uh, I mean, Ricky Foley. Ricky, welcome to the Waggle. How you doing, guys? Pleasure to be here. Well, thank you. And uh, it's, it's Actually, James, in, in Cordis, they actually call him Rizzy. Rizzy? Back in Cordis, they called him Rizzy, Rizzy Foley. Rizzy Foley, there you go. So R- Rizzy, gotta... tell us about Cordis, first of all. Is it, you grew up on a farm. What is the scenario there? I, I heard that. And is that true? What's your, what is, where's Cordis and what is it? Yeah, it's, uh, it's like just east of, a, just east of uh, Oshawa, Ontario. Most people have heard of that. And, uh, yeah, I grew up on a dairy farm uh, my whole life. And uh, we switched to beef cattle. You know, when I got a little bit older, my little brother left the farm and then, um, that's the reason I'm playing football because the farm kind of went under with the Matt Cow disease scare. And uh, a lot of stress, a lot of tension on the farm with me and Pop. So I got kicked out at 17 and moved to the big city and spent a couple of years being an idiot and then decided I want to play football at 19 and it just happened to work out. So thank God for that. What? So the Mad, Mad Cow really kind of took its toll for you guys. I mean, you think about the dairy farm industry, but that, that had that much of an impact for you guys as a family? Yeah, because we had just we had just switched over operation from dairy to beef, and um, just as we, say for example, we were buying um, to kind of supplement our own herd. We were buying baby calves for like you know 150, 175 bucks each, and um, two years later, after we put all the time, the feed, the electricity, all that kind of stuff into raising them up, we were selling them at market for you know 200 bucks, and you know usually that would be around 2,000. So. Uh, the mad cow just drove down all the prices of the Canadian beef and because uh, it was happening out west. But, um, you know, luckily, though, you know, uh, thankfully enough, my father, had, he was older and he put away a little bit of money from the milk quota from the dairy farm operation. And it wasn't as bad as a lot of those farmers out west who had to, you know, kill their entire 3,000 head herd, had million-dollar loans and just starting in a business. So uh, compared to that, we were okay, but took away my future, what I thought it was going to be, and... Um, like I said, it all works out, I suppose, because, you know, I've had a great career, and uh, God's blessed me with that. Yeah, it's crazy. And you didn't really get going playing football until you were 19, right? Yeah, no, I had no idea what I was doing when I showed up at York. Uh, a lot of confidence, a lot of exuberance, but not a lot of knowledge. So I sat I sent the first year uh, red-shirting and learning how to play play football. So bounced around, played, I think I came in as a receiver, actually, and then went to safety, and then to linebacker and eventually they just said your kid you're dumb but you're fast so go play <laughs> it was a perfect go fit. Run, perfect fit huh yeah go run around that fat guy and see if you can do that <laughs> i'll understand that so you can yeah. figure you can figure that one out that's that's remarkable because you know chess we just came back from the cfl combine and and i think you know for, from ricky's standpoint ricky you really kind of helped make a name for yourself at, at the combine for your draft year i think going back to around 2006 and that but you know, you, you talk about there's certain guys that are still kind of raw projects and, and guys that have only played a few years. We talked about uh, over the, you know, just a few weeks ago, Davis. And, you know, Ricky, I think, is the prime example that, hey, a guy might be raw, but 
if a guy with who's even got limited experience can figure it out, Ricky, I mean, you're kind of like one of the gold standards now for guys that say, hey, maybe it's not too late to give somebody a shot. Yeah, like it's crazy too. I think it's harder now for, you know, you have better testing results, you have better athletes, but I think it's harder now for these general managers to to draft guys and know what you're actually getting because back when I was trained, Chaz, you could say the same thing, but like the combine stuff, we, I mean, we just lifted weights and ran. Like we didn't, at least I did. I, I didn't go do all this testing and all this, go to some fancy trainer and all this kind of stuff, you know, like now it's so specialized and they're getting such good results. As a GM, like you don't really know if you're just getting like a workout guy. I or just talked to tested. James about that, Rick. Oh. That's funny you say that. It's, I just, me and James were talking about that during the combine. I said it's fine if you can, if you line up and you know how to master a test, you're gonna have a better score than someone who's just, just quick or just strong or whatever it may be. If you just know how to yeah. master a test, so you know, as, I, like you just said, as a scout or a evaluator, you might look at that and say, you know what, this guy ran a way better time, but you know, does that doesn't necessarily translate onto the field, but. Uh, that's a, that's, a, that's a great point. But you, you know what, Rick? You've had a great career. We want to get into find out what the heck has happened. That's what everyone wants to know right now. You know, how did this – what happened? What transpired over the last week here? Um, start us off with, you know, how this all began. Man, like I, I didn't really do any interviews at first because I didn't want to get into the, pol- you know, the politics of this stuff. But, uh, you know, saw a little interview on, online, and, you know, about what the Argo said. And uh, I just didn't really agree with it. And that's not really how it went down. So – uh, basically went back to like Jane, right before free agency. I went to management when Jim Barker was still there. And like, I approached them and said, you know what? Um, I got two years left in my deal. I'm 34. I want to win at home. We need some help. You know, obviously after five or 13 season, I said, I take a pay cut. I offered to take a pay cut. I offered to restructure. I approached them. They didn't have to come to me. And I was told, uh, no need. We want you here next year. And we've already made plans. We already have a system in place to take care of it. You're good. Barker got fired had the same conversation with Zimmerman. He told me the same thing. Um, then they went, I heard they were going after some defensive ends, my boy Tristan Okapalugu. So I went back to them again. I said, hey, if you guys have plans to go to, to America to DN, just let me know. And no hard feelings, but I still want to play. So, you know, release me or trade me if you don't want me here, right? But I want to be here, but if that's the plan, let, let me go. Give me a chance to get a head start on free agency while the money's still there, while the positions are still open and certain teams um, and again, I'm told, no, you're good, whatever, blah, blah. They pay me my off-season bonus in February. They pay me my off-season bonus in March. So I'm thinking like, well, okay, they're backing up their word. They, you know, I'm in the plans here. My role is still what it is because they're paying me. Like, if they want to cut me, they cut me and not pay me. It doesn't make any sense. So then we get to um, the new regime comes in, you know, and I think everything's, you know, We'll see what happens. You got to be um, excited, actually. At this point, you got to be excited with the new regime coming in, looking at these guys' track records, and you want to. At this point, you want to be a part of that. Exactly, especially Coach Chamber from Saskatchewan. You know, I, I had good success out there. We won out there. I love Coach Chamber. I was trying to get him here before he even signed. I was talking to him, and I was really hoping he'd get here. A lot of guys want him here, and uh, you know, talking about my role down to the rotation. Everything's good, and you know, we're we're happy. We're excited about. You know, he tells me, uh, watch film, he's still got juice. He's telling my other teammates, holy, still got juice, you know, blah, blah. And I'm excited as, you know, as hell. And then out of nowhere, I get a 40, I get an email with a 48-hour ultimatum to take a 50% pay cut. So right before my April 1st bonus, which is the exact same amount as it was in February and March, and they'd already paid me. So, and I've given 48 hours. I don't have an agent. I haven't had an agent in six years. I don't know what the hell to do when you get a 50% pay cut for no apparent reason. I've already started building a house here, thinking I was going to be here. Um, this is new regime had, now. This is a, this is once Tressman and Pop have already been hired now that, that this email came. Yeah, this is like right, this. Right. Well, you know, two days before April 1st. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, and after I'd already talked to Tressman like at least 10 times through text and um, Coach Chamberlain a lot too and like – <laughs> Man, I had no idea what was going on. I didn't know why. Right. I, you know, so I hired an agent, um, John the Hardaway, and they. And so I want to be here. So we're negotiating, um, trying to figure, get a deal done within 48 hours. And uh, they're trying to say they were trying to get a hold of me for the cut me. That's not true at all. They didn't call my agent, and tell him. My agent didn't hear I was cut until I texted him at eight o'clock in the morning saying, "What happened in negotiations, John? Uh, I went to bed last night thinking things were good. We got something done." I wake up, I'm, you know, I get an 8 a.m. text saying that I've been released. 
from Zimmerman. Zimmerman called me the night before at 7.30, asking to be called back. I go to my agent, like, do I need to call him back or how are things going? He's like, no, we're negotiating. You know, we'll get a deal done. It should be good. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I'm assuming the deal is going to get done. I go to bed thinking everything's going to be all good. We have the entire day tomorrow to figure out the, you know, the fine details. Well, hell, I wake up and I'm released. Like, who does that? You know, and who does that? And that's, that's why, like, I was talking earlier to James off air. It's like, I'm not emotionally boo-hoo about this. I'm angry and confused. Right. Um, time and now I'm just kind of like you know good luck to you next year Rick, you, so, Rick go ahead James so Rick I mean you reach out to your agent here and and you kind of leave it with him and he's saying everything's good and, I, and I'm listening for, for, for those of us that are listening at home right now or listening in their car or, and listening to this conversation is it possible that some of the fault may lie in your agent then no I don't not at all like we were on the same page the entire time like he he knows that like it's Okay, so you guys know me. Because he, he's basically telling you, hey, man, we're all good here. Because you're, you're sitting there going, hey, do I, what do I need to do here? And, and he's saying, hey, hakuna matata, no worries here. And, and then all of a sudden you wake up the next morning and it's a much different story than, I guess, what you're led to believe. Now, we knew our options, though. We knew our, like, we knew, like, our options as far as, like, there'd be other interests from some other teams. We knew that, like, there's a certain you know, number you might be comfortable with, you know, taking and et cetera, et cetera. And it was just never really, it's like my agent was saying, well, we're going to get you the same contract and not have to restructure. We knew we were going to have to restructure. Hell, like I said, I, I'm fine with that. I approached them back in February to take one, but they were negotiating. They were trying to figure stuff out. Like they, it, negotiations were happening. I don't know what happened overnight. Um, now, like in, fair, now in fairness though, Ricky, it, it, it was a managerial change though too, right? I mean, like you had Jim Barker at one point and then you didn't and then you get a new a new regime that comes in that you know that that didn't necessarily sign you like in comes Mark Tressman and, and in comes Jim yeah. Pop and they kind of inherit you and and that's one of those things where I think a lot of pro athletes have been caught in that crossfire Chesie I'm sure you've probably been in that situation before where somebody brings you in and it's all of a sudden there's a change where it's a different dynamic where you're you're suddenly not their guy so I guess in one breath, I, I, I get where you probably feel like you're misled, but at the same time, is there a sense that, uh, you know, it just becomes a different story because there's different guys at the top of the food chain? Yeah, but James, the, the thing, though, is I understand that, and that's you're exactly bang on about that's how it happens a lot of times. Yeah. And I'm fine with that, you know, the guy. But we're forgetting the fact that Tressman and Chamberlain were texting me, calling me, saying that, you know, I was part of the plans that they were excited about my role. Like I said, if anybody really, if this was really and truthfully wanted to know the entire scoop, I could just send out the emails and text messages that I have from everybody. And there's, there's nothing the Argos can say to deny this. You don't call a player a week earlier, tell him about his role, get him excited, tell him he's in the plans, be asking all this information about the inner workings of the team, and then give him a 48 hour ultimatum saying they're not part of the plans anymore. Like, that's not how you do business. That's just not how you do players. Yeah, no, Rick, you, you're a, a guy that's accomplished all you've accomplished. I would, I would agree that you, you definitely deserve, you know, deserve a, a phone call or deserve a conversation with the, with the powers that be. Just, just due to, you know, like I said, all you've accomplished in this league and, and even just, just the things you do around, around the community. That's that, that goes without saying. I think that, I think that on the side of the, you know, coming from the Argo side, I think that, you know, it, it seems as though. They want. They did want you uh, to be a part of what was going on. It just seemed that they wanted at their number, and 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 that that makes sense. We both we know that we know how it works. And I think you guys have when, both been under Wally Buono. Right? Yeah, sure. But when you get a forty-eight hour window, I think at that point in time, if you didn't get a phone call within the forty hours, then I think your agent at some point in time has to let you know that hey, this is the forty hours is coming up. We don't have a deal done, so I don't think he should have been surprised that that you got released because. You were you were told there was a forty hour window and nothing was done. So I th don't you, that has to fall on on that because when you woke up in the morning and the time was up, you knew you were going to get released. Uh, oh yeah, at we that were, point in time. Yeah, no, we weren't surprised they got released. Right. Like okay. I, like I, we we knew that was definitely an option. We weren't the surprise wasn't being released. It was just right. a surprise at how abrupt it was done. Like if we're not negotiating, like if it was just okay, well here's the here's the fifty percent pay cut and that's it well then we was just said okay well I, I can't do that like i you know i can go get a job on, on the street to make more money than that. that doesn't make any sense well when you're negotiating 
you know, talking about numbers, talking about how to restructure the bonuses, blah, 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 then you don't expect all of a sudden things to just end and be okay, released. You know, at 8 a.m. when you had it until 12 p.m. the following night, right? So that's the thing that caught us off guard. Um, you know, like I said, this is like, I was not going to say anything, you know, got off my chest. Any, they, I was going to say whatever they want to say back. That's fine. Like I said, if they really want to do that, go ahead. No, I've, I've, you know what, you know what, Ricky. To be fair, to be fair, there's been, there's been, uh, you know, haven't heard anything negative from their camp. I think that at the end of the day, I'm sure there's a lot of people in that organization uh, that you have a lot of uh, great relationship relationships with, and will continue to have great relationships with, including the fans, including the people of Toronto. I don't think it needs to go into there. I'm sure there's maybe one particular person or two people that you wish that you that could have handled differently, that you had a relationship with, who may have called you. It didn't happen. But moving forward. Yeah. Now, now we're what's going to happen to Rick Foley? What happens to Rick Foley now? The guy, agent. Who, the, yeah, the, the guy who has sixty career sacks and is yeah. still, in my opinion, still one of the best Canadian pass rushers in the league uh, by far. What, what happens now? What's the next step for you, Rick? Just try to find a team that um, try to land with a team that you know has a chance at winning right away, and um, you know where the role is good, where I can still be a guy who's counted on, you know, in big moments to make big plays, like I've done my entire career. You know, fourth quarter. Second and long, you know, I, I want to be a guy on the field to uh, close things out. And I, I think I proved that last year. I think, I've, you know, if the film doesn't lie, stats might have might not been as good as they uh, have been in the past. But Okay, explain be, that. Explain that, Ricky. Because uh, there, there's some missing sacks out there from last and year. And you got a, t- a, a touchdown call a back touchdown as well. Too, and, sa- yeah. and sacks off. Uh, I, remember, I remember the touchdown, the sack touchdown got called back. There was another one too, I think. Was it's, it, it's almost Easter, so it's the perfect time to find those hidden chocolate eggs. Uh, there, but there's a couple of missing numbers from last year, aren't there, Rick? Yeah, um, there's, there's film on it, you know. So if people watch the film, there's, there's an INT for a touchdown. There's three sacks, three strip sack force fumbles, of, um, you know, that got taken away. But that happens every year, kind of. You know, you always lose a few plays here or there. But those all happen in the first nine games. So we're talking about, you know, my stats first nine games would have been six, seven sacks, three, four, three, four force fumbles, and a TD. Yeah, I don't think we're having this conversation right now if those had stood. But um it is what it is, man. I still feel like I can beat guys one-on-one. I still feel like I'm chasing down quarterbacks, still chasing down receivers and doing what I've always done with my legs, which is kind of the reason I'm, you know, in the league anyways because, you know. So uh, I always said once I can't beat guys one-on-one, once a quarterback beats me to the edge, that's time for me to hang it up. But that hasn't happened, and it's not going to happen anytime soon. So just looking forward to having a role. Money. I'll leave that to my agent. People think I'm holding up for money. That was never an issue. I don't have a wife and kids, man. So, you know, <laughs> I'm not really, I'm not really hard up for money. To be honest with you, I just want to go win another ring and and, um, and have you know have a good luck and a good role on the team. Like I said, be counted on. So, you know, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a role and a chance to win before I'm gonna take money at, at this point. And uh, I might be hurting myself in negotiations right now, but. That's all I really care about. Well, you got three championship rings already in the Canadian Football League with three Grey Cup victories. Uh, how do you see yourself now? Oh, I mean, are, are, are you, are you still, what's that? David, and I just want to tell uh, I just want to tell Sanchez I will never wear all three of them ever again at the same time. Did you call him out? Did you call him out on that? No, me, me and Rick. <laughs> me and Rick did a. Uh, me and Rick did. Uh, we did some uh, sports. Uh, Sports Center stuff on, on TSN there, and uh, Rick Rick was on the episode before me, and he had all three rings on. So when I walked up to the set, I uh, saw all three rings from Foley, and they asked me where my rings were. So I uh, I told Rick that he was the man, and uh, yeah, that was, that's pretty good. That's pretty good, Rick. Very good callback. Very good callback. Hey man, they're still shiny and new. Um, Rick, tell me this: at, at this stage of your career, I mean, to use a baseball analogy, are are you? Do you see yourself as a designated hitter? Are you an every down guy? Like, how do you see yourself now at this stage of your career? Yeah, I still feel I'm an every down guy. Like I said, like you played the film last year, the first half of the season, I was pretty much playing every down. And uh, I just feel like I'm better when I'm on the field, you know, but I'm cool with the rotation. Um, I thought, you know, that was kind of explained to me what it was going to be this year. We had a great rotation now in Saskatchewan, where it's like starters play the first two series. And then, uh, you know, the third, the third defensive end comes in every third series. So you end up, is that a hint? Is that is that a hint of a place you might want to land? I've heard I've seen some stuff on social media that's uh, asking for Rick back to Saskatchewan. Is that a hint you're throwing out there, Ricky? I'm not saying anything, but uh, I'm okay with the I'm okay with the rotation. You know, I like like I said, uh, I like to be on the field on second down when a big play is needed. And like I said, I still feel like I beat the best tacklers in the league one on one. I can still do that. Film doesn't lie, and um, you know, like I said, 
if I go to training camp and I can't beat guys one on one, uh, no one's gonna have to tell me that I'm that I'm done. I'm cut. I'll I'll be walking into their office saying, you know, I just don't have it anymore. So, uh, but I don't see that. I don't even see anything close to that. I feel like I had one of my best years, first half of the season last year. I was beating guys around the edge better than I ever have. So, um, I just want to be counted on, like I said, with a team that has a chance to win a championship in the fourth quarter, big game, playoff, home home crowd going crazy, quarterback can't hit the snap count, and. Um, you know, see my old ass out there making plays. <laughs> well, I'm sure. I'm sure that uh, there's there's some suitors out there for you, Rick. And and uh, obviously, you still you do still have some juice left in the tank. It was evident by by the, the time you were out there last year when you weren't injured, when you were healthy, and especially you know what you think you can play every every down. I'm sure every competitor wants to play every down, even in a role as a pass rush guy. Um, might preserve that might make you some more money in the past you could play maybe a few more years but either way I'm sure there's a team that's gonna gonna want to have Ricky Foley come on flying off the edge like you always have yeah I mean you're right like uh you know it'd be nice to say I want to play every play but uh, even if you're a young guy you know 18 games is a lot that it takes toll on your body so um like I said man the rotation thing's cool a lot of it just has to do with the guys around you if you've got a bunch of cool dudes around you uh everybody's trying to make plays for the other guy you're all eating together I've been part of that a couple of times, and it's uh, you don't really care too much, you know, about the reps here, or there, and, and and losing a few or whatever. So uh, it'd be nice too to go with a team without, you know, some young DNs, you know, kind of be uh, we know what Brett Johnson was to me, um, you know, he was he was off, like Tyrone Williams was to me out in BC. Man, they uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind having a role like that. Kind of had one similar in Saskatchewan with some young guys there, some young DNs, and. Um, you know, I enjoy that now at this part of my career. You know, just taking those young guys aside, and uh, especially the young Canadian boys, right? And, um, you know, kind of have those side to side talks about being a Canadian pass rusher and kind of the uniqueness of that. And um, that'd be cool, too. It's a, it's a dying breed, but uh, 182 games played. How many sacks do we have? 60 career sacks, three, three great cups. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure you got more football left in you, but if, it, if you didn't, you'd have a, you'd have a great career. Uh, to look back on, and and also, Rick, uh, I think you just like me. You, I think you have a face for radio, so uh, I think you have a career in that after as well. <laughs> oh man, I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. Uh, I think I'm not sure. But, the, yeah, yeah. yeah the, che the checks in the mail. Thanks, hey, buddy. Hey, Rick, before we before we go, just just real quick, we're getting closer to the CFL draft here coming up next month, and we're just kind of we we're touching on how we were just at the combine a couple of weeks ago. Hey, look, you've been there. You've been that guy, and, and you were kind of that raw project. But uh, what do you say? What do you say to those Canadian hopefuls that might be listening right now that that have that hope, or that might be kind of a tweener guy, or just or looking for that opportunity? What sort of advice do you share with them as as a guy who uh, who really had a had a great career over his last twelve seasons? Yeah, I think my biggest advice would be don't worry about what position you think you're going to play in next level. You're a special teams player. That needs to be your, your mindset. You know, of course you, you want to come in and play from day one, but uh, the thing that'll serve your career the longest and it'll give you the longest amount of time to learn a new system to, um, you know, kind of give you a longer career will be to have your mindset on being a beast on special teams. A guy last year in, in Toronto who was, you know, I think I'm really excited about wasn't quite ready to be received with Levi Noel. And, um, you know, he wasn't quite ready to be on there, but just, you know, a talent athletically. And he was a beast on special teams. He just embraced the role. You don't always see that with young young receivers. And um, that's what you got to do, man. you got to be able to think you're a special teams player and just grind, focus everything you've got at work, everybody. You know, and you're going to have to get in a few fights in training camp because guys aren't going to want to go hard, the older guys, and necessarily. And you got to go hard every play, man. And uh, that'll get you a couple fights. And that'll be Rob Murphy. You know, you'll be throwing some punches. <laughs> hey, Murph, hey, Murph yeah, shout out to yeah, Murph. Yeah, shout out to Murph, no question. Hey, Rick, I want to – like, huh. So, you know what I like, though, from the – I was watching some film on it. Uh, I don't know how high of a draft pick he is. I don't really pay attention too much to it. But there was a DN, uh, this Canadian kid, 92. He was 92 from Manitoba. I forget his name. Evan, um, yeah, it's Evan Foster. Evan Foster. Yeah. Evan I like Foster. that kid, man. I don't – I haven't seen his name on, like, the first-round picks or anything like that or – What'd you much, like about you know, him? Not, What'd you like about him? I liked him in the one-on-ones, man. Like when I see his explosion yes. off the ball, his body control. Like, um, no offense to anybody else out there. I know there's the guy from Laurier, uh, Botang. I think he's you know gonna be a good player and whatnot. But uh, when I see '92 out there, um, man, I, he kind of reminds me of uh, myself coming off the ball, kind of a raw guy with the testing and stuff. But 
I really like the way he moves, man. Like, uh, I like his, you know, center gravity. I like the way he dips. I like, I like his body control at the edge on top of his pass rush. And I think that kid is going to be, uh, I think that kid's going to be good, man. And he was great I, in I really the one on ones. No, you're right. He, yeah, he, he was, was great in the one on ones. He, he actually reminds me. He reminds me of Ricky, to be honest. Really? Early, early in Ricky's career, uh, everyone always talked about Ricky's motor. He's, he's got a motor. He still has a motor, but everyone talked about his motor. And what did everyone say about Evan Foster last weekend? They all talked about his motor. His motor, and, yeah. and, he, and he was one of the first guys to run down and go go try the special team drill, yeah, too, right? He was, and, a, he was a stud. One, one thing I want to say, Rick, before we get off, before we get let you go back to your training probably or something of that nature. but Building his house. Building a house. But what, what I want to do, Rick, is get, give you opportunity because, you know what, there, there might be a couple of people within the organization that, that you didn't like the way it was handled. But at the end of the day, there's there's some great relationships you built with not only people in the organization of the Argos, you're from Toronto, um, but also the fan base. What do you want to say to those people who, you know, your, your fans, because you do have a ton of fans. So, you know, give those guys a shout out. Anything you want to say to them? Yeah, yeah. I just, uh, I was going to make a joke. I'm like, man, screw the Argos. But no, that's, that's, I'm just joking around. Um, I really, I think the Trustman is going to be, and, you know, great for the organization. I really do. And, uh, you know, like you said, being a hometown boy, I hope BMO's filled up. I hope they get things right, better schedule this year. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate all the people who reached out to me. Uh, from the staff and the ticket guys, from the uh, media guys, of course, all my boys on the team who reached out to me, and uh, you know, it was kind of a tough time going through. So, I got tons of love for the team still. I always will. Um, I'll never have a better moment in my career than 2012 with the Great Cup and those boys. And um, so, yeah, you know, no I wish all those guys all the best. But uh, I can't wait to kick their head in two or three times next year. But <laughs> you know, uh, all, all the best to them next year. And uh, you know, like you said, I think you put it well. Uh, Sanchez, when you said, you know, it's just one or two guys who I think um, I'm kind of have issues with. Sure. And uh, the rest the rest of everybody, man, um, you know, I'm excited for guys like Brackeridge and Ivan. I think they're going to be great there with the coaching. So, so yeah, I appreciate everything from the uh, the Argos, the one or two guys who uh, didn't believe in me. Uh, you're going to find out next year. Well well said on, on all counts, uh, Rick. Yeah, and on, the, and on the bright side, I guess Toronto sports fans don't have to worry about you getting your hands on Sebastian Jovinko anymore, right? <laughs> yeah, those guys had some ammunition. I'll tell you that much. They got me back on Twitter a couple of times. So, uh, but no, hope TFC has a good year too. So that's good. Thanks, Ricky. Hey, listen, great to catch up. Uh, long overdue, and uh, and come visit again when uh, once you're all freshly signed. All right. All right, sounds good, guys. And uh, congratulations on all your success too, man. You're doing a great thing with this. Thanks. It's not easy carrying Davis all the time. It's really, really hard. My back is sore. I'm kidding, Chesney. Thanks, I'm kidding. Thanks, Ricky. Thanks, Ricky. All right, good, good luck with everything, buddy. Well, special thanks to Ricky for joining us here this week. And, uh, and Davis, this is... Uh, I guess it's a little bit of he said, she said, I guess, in the case with the, with the breakup between Ricky and the Argos. And it hurts. I mean, when you're a veteran guy and, and you're with a team that you've invested in, we talked about this with G. Roy Simon. I remember going back a couple of months and you can, if you missed the episode, it was in early January. You can find it in the archives in iTunes. You can subscribe to the waggle uh, in iTunes and, and you can find that episode where G. Roy really talked about the emotions and how hard it was for that breakup where it took him a couple of years and it ultimately helped winning a Grey Cup to close out his career and a storybook career at that in Regina with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. But it's hard to sometimes fathom, you know, former rider great G. Roy Simon because he was defined as a BC Lion for so long. But, you know, sometimes those business decisions get, uh, you know, it clouds the emotion and the decision and the, and the judgment of being a football player as well. Yeah, you can hear you can hear Ricky's voice. I mean, people always say don't let your emotions get involved in, in football. Football's a business, but at the end of the day, it's a people business as well. And Ricky, you know, it's he's from there. He he wanted to probably end his career there. He's got a lot of relationships there, and and for it to happen this way, it hurt him. But you can even tell towards the end of the interview, he's you know kind of takes a step back and says, you know what, there are a lot of great things about. Um, you know what I did here and the relationships I had he, I have here and I, I think that you know that was noticeable as he kind of stepped back and took a look at it from from uh, from a distance and at one point in time you know when Rick's done I'm sure that he'll have some sort of relation with the Argos and uh, you know and and the Canadian Football League. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he ultimately lands because I, I'm sure there's already a few teams that are kind of sniffing around, kicking tires. So look, 
he can be a ratio changer, much Hamilton? of the way that you were. Hamilton? Ha- Hamilton, to me, makes a lot of sense in so many levels. I mean, the guy talks about being a Toronto guy, building a house right now. You can still, in theory, commute right down the I QEW. I he, ro- he needs a room dog when I move out there. Oh. I can get a, maybe I can move in, make, maybe get a, be a room now, dog. That would be a great reality series on CFL.ca. I'm going to call him when we finish up here. But listen, I, I think that makes a lot of sense on so many levels. And, and that way, there's an opportunity to, to match up against the Argos multiple times as well and really heat up that rivalry one more time. Uh, a few other stories that, uh, that kind of raised a few eyebrows across the CFL over the last week. Uh, there was a, a video posted on the BC Lions website and on their Twitter site um, over the last uh, week. And David Braley basically admitting that the longtime owner of the BC Lions, and at one time uh, the owner of the Toronto Argonauts as well, he wants to sell the Lions. He says it has to be sold. He's 75 years of age right now. He's had some health issues over the last year. Uh, I don't think he's necessarily in a super rush, but I think he'd like to somewhere sell it uh, in the next couple of years. He does say that there's... uh, Several people that are interested. It could be this year. It could be next year. He's hoping that it would be a local buyer, which they had a hard time finding in BC 20 years ago when he purchased the team. That sounds like it might be a different story this time around, a question of trying to get a solid local investor. Here's the thing, and for all the the knocks on David Braley over the years about the person that he is, he loves the Canadian Football League, and he has invested a lot and I'm millions and millions and millions of dollars to keep this league uh, thriving at times when it wasn't always. Yeah, he's been he's been solid and someone that you know has, like you said, in, in difficult times, Bray, Mr. Braley has been there and, and helped helped us helped our league and and uh, I think a lot of people are very appreciative of what he's done and he wants to you know he's like he talks about he wants it to he would like local ownership if possible. He didn't seem uh, like, like that was that was possible or that was a that was uh, the head of his list of when, when he talked to people um, that a local owner would be possible. But it seemed that he would like that if it, if it was at all possible. And I think the people of BC would like that as well. But, you know, anyone who's willing to step up and, and you know, that, that's passionate and cares and, and have, has the money to, to, to fund a team would, uh, would, be, would be great. And like you say, he doesn't want to be 95 years old is what he said and, yeah. be, and be, you know, dealing with the, with the team. He's, he's reached a point of, in his life where he's ready to move on and hand it, you know, into good, somebody in good hands. And that's what he, he stated. And that's, that's what's most important to him, someone who spent, you know, so much of their life trying to build it. He wants to leave it in good hands. Yeah, and, and you know, I think there's obviously from an attendance standpoint, I think the Lions are in a dip right now, so you're not exactly selling high, but... Boy, the TV money's got to be enticing for an owner, for a prospective sure. owner that can come in where your salary is essentially, your salary structure is essentially covered with the TV money based on what is being handed out. Um, I, I am intrigued to see where things ultimately go. I wonder if you could ever see, even from a local ownership standpoint, would the Canucks ever be interested and then create a, a Canucks sports and entertainment, much that we see in Toronto with Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment where you've got the Leafs, the Raptors, Toronto FC, and then if you want to add a slight extension because of Bell Media's ownership uh, with Larry Tannenbaum of the Toronto Argonauts, if you might see an extension here or maybe the Whitecaps ownership partnering up to to buy the Lions. And, and who knows, maybe somewhere down the road in a perfect world, you find a way that the Lions can get out of BC Place because it does feel like it's not an ideal stadium for the Canadian Football League in BC, not, and that's—it's just too happening. big. It's just too big. It's not, not happening, happening anytime, anytime soon. soon. No, so let, let's let's stick with the, what's going on. Yes, that's, that's that's a long way down the road. And, yeah. and this team is an exciting team. We talked about it. There's these guys, I mean, with Jennings and the Manny Show, and now Chris Williams, and this is all around. This is an exciting football team. It's Isn't it crazy how many contenders there are right now? Yeah, that yeah. you can look at. In the Canadian Football of League? Of course. Like, we, we talked about the East in the last few weeks, but even in the West, I mean, your point. The Lions are the Lions are exciting, and they can they can match up with Firepower, with the Stamps, with Edmonton, Saski. They got all sorts of weapons, and then Montreal and Ottawa and sure. Hamilton. I think the only team that, you know, Winnipeg, too, I mean, in the West, it's... The only team that I don't think looks like a legit Grey Cup contender. I'm sorry. I feel like I just keep cutting you off, no, so I'll shut good. up after we're this. Good. But See, I, well. but I think 
Toronto's probably the one team that probably you don't look at as being a legit Grey Cup contender this year, but you do have the Trestman effect. You have that velvety boy, voice, James. So, like, for, for me, it's you know, I'm, I'm better to just come in when I have something you know, interesting <laughs> to say. And when you just carry it because you have that velvety voice, you know, I, I just feel like it's that's the way it works. That's, that's a, white we're noise. Good, we're you just good, call me white good noise. contrast. <laughs> you know what? Talk about the Riders for a minute. I, I saw online the other day, uh, Tavon Campbell, cornerback for the Riders, yeah. has just joined Rugby Canada. Uh, and and he, he's, he's actually just gone uh, to uh, Hong Kong, somewhere in Asia there. Uh, for uh, for exhibition exhibition games, they just saw his raw his raw speed, and he he came to Vancouver, watched the Rugby Sevens tournament, and said, "Hey, you know what? This is something I think I could do." Reached out. I don't know how exactly it happened, but they reached out. They connected, and now he's traveling as kind of an extra player until he learns the game. So I thought that was a pretty cool story. That that uh, you know, with his obviously sheer speed, the fastest electronic time ever in a CFL combine history. Um, throw him on a sevens field and watch him go. And so. quietly hoped for everybody else to fail at the combine a couple of weeks ago. We kind yeah, of joked when we were talking him, about yeah. him. He was, but awesome. and and that's something that remember when we talked to Dwayne Ford exactly. about this last fall exactly. about finding ways to recruit Canadian talent. On the flip side, it's it's Rugby Canada that's benefiting in this case. But Dwayne had mentioned that football needs to start looking outside the box beyond your conventional football fields and start finding athletes, athletes from other areas, whether it's... And just Bob Slay Canada has done that, and they recruited Jesse Lumsden, who, the former CFL star, who's yeah, now... And, who's a, who's a world... Yeah, he had a world championship, I believe, this year, uh, or at least a World Cup title this year. I think there's a, lot of, there's a lot of sports that, that, would, that would kick the cross and, and would, that would make sense, but, uh, you know, that's... You know, it, it, the more it happens, it's happened with basketball now and, and down south, and, and I think that will start to show here a little bit as well with, mm-hmm. the, with the CFL looking at some basketball guys. And uh, we had Jer- Jeremy Zvier from Regina. Yeah. Uh, he, he's the guy who played basketball first. And I think that's just, it's just a natural transition for guys. You know, an athlete's an athlete. Maybe a guy grew up playing, you know, a particular sport, but really, you know, if you look at his skill set, if he would have played, you know, sport A or sport B, he also would have succeeded in that as well. That's just, that's just another example. So, Look forward to seeing exactly what happens, how this breaks down, and how if he has success uh, with with Rugby Canada. Yeah. Um, speaking of uh, people named Campbell, mm. uh, Tommy Campbell uh, posting on Twitter the uh, guy. Hey, look, had a tremendous 2016 campaign with the Calgary Stampeders, but really shocked the football community when the story came out back in January that he had been charged. Um, for with ger- drug trafficking in his m- selling crack cocaine out of his mother's house during the off season, it was just a story that I think we all kind of just went, "WTF? Are you kidding me?" Oh, I thought you were gonna get the uh, H E double hockey sticks. See, but you well, yeah, well, that's another one. Yeah, you set me up. Go ahead, tee it up. Man, we all looked at this story and we said, "What the?" H-E double hockey sticks. Well, honestly, when you read, when you see the headline, selling crack cocaine out of your mom's house. And you know what? A good thing, you know what, Jane? A good thing, you know, we always hear about, you know, uh, teams releasing the player. Or, yeah. you know, here's a situation where the Stamps took a step back and said, let's wait and see, let the legal process play out before we make a move. They didn't give, they didn't release and they didn't give away his number. They just, they sat back and let it play out. And now we look at it, the situation. It was not Tommy Campbell in this situation. He's been cleared of all charges, and, it, and so now it looks good because that's a, you know yeah. Tommy said it in a, in his statement. He said this has been really difficult on my family. Imagine you know oh. especially if it's not if it's not you you're not involved in the situation that your name getting drugged through the mud like that. So I'm glad uh, you know it seems as not seems as though he has been proven oh, it's innocent, innocent and. And his name's his family's name got drugged through the mud. So I'm glad I'm happy for Tommy. I'm also happy that the Stamps did what was right in regards to waiting to see exactly what happens. I think nine times out of Which ten situations easy. like this, or eight times out of ten, that it's gonna end up that someone's gonna get charged and then you have to eventually yeah. move on from them. But in this situation, I'm glad that they did hold off and reserve judgment until they got all the facts and now he's you know he's been proven and, and he said he's and, come back to the league. And that's a situation that there's a lot of moral outrage when stories like this happen. And it's hard for an organization to weather the storm and say, well, how can you keep a guy employed, an employee like this, yeah, you know, you, on, you on, on your staff right. because of, look you, what he, you know, th- this guy's a drug trafficker. Right. Well, he's been charged, but right. he hasn't been found guilty. And he posted yesterday on Twitter, 
um, earlier this week. All charges dropped. I'll be making a statement at a later date. This has been a very difficult time for me and my family that Ches uh, alluded to. And I, I guess from a football standpoint, like we just talked about the human element, that it's a nice peace of mind for him and and the you know the legal process has played itself out here, and the charges have been cleared based on what Tommy's saying. But from a Calgary Stampeder standpoint, boy, what a break for the Stamps! This guy is a, this player. guy's an all-star player. Lock, locked down boundary corner. Told us during the Great Cup, there's not a single receiver in this league that that he can't lock down man to man. He's a great player. He's like in that Brandon. He goes in that Brandon Browner category of a of a long ranging guy who. Yeah. Can, I mean, he spent five years in the National Football League, and Tommy Campbell's had a a, a difficult route and difficult path to, to get where he is in in football in general. So you know, I look at it as well. You know, seeing you know the charges get dropped, I also look at it and say. Regardless, you might want to, Tommy, surround yourself with, with different people because there still was drugs and money and these things um, around you. Maybe find a, you know, keep yourself clean and keep a better keep a better group around you so you don't find yourself in these predicaments in the future. But the, the Stamps yeah. are definitely happy to have him back in the photo. Biscuit, Biscuit Claybrooks is happy to have his boundary <laughs> cornerback. Yeah, no question about it. That's, uh, you know, they kept Micah Johnson as well, so... To get uh, Tommy Camel back in the fold and not have to deal with this legal situation or hurdle uh, is a nice uh, breath of fresh air, I think, for both Dave Dickinson and John Huffnagel as well. Um, a, a surprising retirement at 25 years of age out of Winnipeg uh, over the last week. Ryan Smith calls it a career uh, after just a very short pro football career, and he's decided to uh, pursue interests outside of football. So... This is what he was uh, he was saying, just 25. Uh, last year, I think, probably best defined for that ridiculous, filthy glove catch. And I call it the glove catch because it was just kind of stuck to his hand. I don't even think he actually caught the ball. Do you remember how filthy that you, was? You know what? If I remember correctly, and I may be wrong, we'll have to check the tape. I don't even think it stuck to his glove. I think he hit him in the in the stomach, in the rib, and then it just stuck yes. to his body. Yes, that's what and it was. It was, uh, it was. it was some. I think it was in Winnipeg. But it was near the end zone, and he was coming across. If I can remember correctly, on a crossing pattern, and it just he just stuck it, stuck it in his rib, and that was amazing. But yeah, yeah, interesting story. I mean, you know what? It's, it's you know it, it happens in this in this day and time. Uh, if it's you know he's had some concussion issues uh, in the past. Ryan Smith has, mm-hmm. and I think you have to look at your future, your family, and whatever other interests you might have going on. He's good for him that he has some. Some other things to fall back on. There's some other interests that he wants to pursue now. I think good for him. And I, you know what? I always I say this, James. And you look at guys. I think it's a it's a gift and a curse to have a long career, uh, especially in the Canadian Football League where we don't make a, a ton of money. Is that when you finish your career for some? But it's good money. It is good. There's it's great. There's no you know what? No, it's been it's really very good money. It's been it was great to me and my family. It's been amazing. But you think what I do? I do say though, James, for a lot of guys. If you play, if you retire at 25 years old, like Ryan Smith is, now he's still young and can go, you know, spend that time, you know, trying to get into something else as he moves into his next career. Or some other guys, you know, retire, you know, play 10, 12, 13, 14 years, and now you're at a point where, yes, you're ahead of the game because you've made some money, you might have a house or whatever it is, but you also, like me, I retired at 36 years old with not a whole lot of skills in regards to lucky I can talk my butt off so it works it works for me but you know for other <laughs> and you're people, fun at parties I'm fun at parties but you know you t- you know otherwise you look at like computing skills and other skills that people at that age have yes. you know have already mastered so I think it's it's good for and you know starting businesses I've started three businesses since I retired I had to fail at one fail at two until finally the third one became a success so you know you don't really have time if you you know you don't have time to do that so good for Ryan Smith to be able to you know, to do this and to, to jump into there. And uh, I'm, ha- I'm happy for him because I think this is, especially with the concussion issue, this is something that uh, he obviously felt was important to him um, to, to stop playing football at this point in time and, and move on. Uh, from a flip side standpoint, from an organizational standpoint, from the Bombers, lousy timing, I would think, because they had free agency already kind of come and go, go, but now it fills a legitimate void at the receiver position. And, and a guy like Ryan Smith, not irreplaceable, but does leave them hanging in terms of finding a capable guy that they had looked. That was a big free agency signing for them a year ago at this time. So where do they go now? Do you try to address that in the draft? 
by trying to select a Canadian receiver, or do you try to go out and just see what you got uh, with the Clar- with the with the imports? Give uh, Clarence Denmark his spot. Let him take it from the beginning instead of letting him come in halfway through the season or the end of the season and yeah. balling out like he did. I think Clarence Denmark deserves a legit shot at that position after what he's proven. You know, obviously before and then and then now last year. So I don't think it's a it's it's a loss because Ryan Smith's a good player and and you know really showed some flash, especially in Saskatchewan and. And uh, the league will miss them. But I think that, you know, in regards to what they have on their receiving core, I think they're okay. Um, something else I want to talk about, James, yeah. is, is uh, you know, I just looked at uh, Jonathan Crompton being being released. And so from mm. Montreal, now the Owls have uh, have signed Ja'Cory Harris, former yes. former Ticat and also University of Miami quarterback Ja'Cory Harris. And, and have gotten rid of Jonathan Crompton, who I, I felt like they really liked Jonathan last year. He Jonathan Crompton had some success the year before last. I think he was, I mean, he played about, I think he won five or six straight games, uh, eight straight games in 2014. That's right, yeah. Um, so Straight out of Crompton, nine, that was the nine, highlight reel. I remember nine using of his that highlight. Nine of his first digits, straight out of Crompton. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Did you use cheesy, cheesy lines like that, James? When you, when you Buddy, Sobolski is Polish for cheese. <laughs> Actually, that's a good it's one. Actually, it's actually Polish for onion, but yeah. I like I like, like Strad. I like Strad at Crompton. That's nice. Yeah, he won. So Crompton, Crompton came with the Owls in fifteen. He won nine of his first thirteen starts. I mean, eight, he was eight he, in a row. That's impressive. He was the heir apparent, right? Yeah. This has been an interesting week for uh, for quarterbacks because the Argos also did away with Logan Kilgore. Um, you know, turning the page on him earlier this week as well. So, I guess all of a sudden it's this void of. You know, backup quarterbacks are on the market, but interesting to see some of these names that you touched on, guys who with some NFL experience that have had some names. And look at the Argos earlier this week, also signing three players that they go out and they bring in wide receiver Justin Brown, who had spent some time at two major Division One A schools at Oklahoma and Penn State, but also had some tryouts with both the Steelers and the Bills uh, going back a couple years ago. Uh, they signed defensive back Brandon Harris, who played more than 40-plus games with the Miami Dolphins and a guy who also played with the Miami Hurricanes, if you remember Brandon Harris as well, a guy who's got some big game experience in the NFL. And they also added running back Cam McDonald for college football fans, you may remember, from the Fighting Irish uh, of Notre wow. Dame, who spent some time last year with the Montreal Alouettes. So uh, the Argos going out and bringing in some uh, some notable import names, I think, for the uh, for the diehard football fans out there, uh, trying to change their for- fortunes around. What yes, are you playing? You playing? Uh, you you get coming up with a new soundtrack for you the know Waggle. What? That was that was actually that was actually the intro. To, let's hear it. Actually, here we go. We're gonna play the. This is the intro of the Argos website. That just popped up on your computer. You know, I was looking at it. <laughs> um, well, shout out to the Argos website. Yeah, for being, uh, for, shout out to Mark Tresman for actually who actually. DJed and actually spun this music to put on here in his, in his off time at that he does he does work at a couple of nightclubs in New York City in his off in his off season. By the way, I have have you seen this shirt properly that I'm rocking right now? You guys can't see it. I'll post a I'll post a picture of it on social media here for everybody. But let me show you a this is a shout Jim, out right to now, a Jim, Jim, friend of the show, Damon Allen. But look at this. Memphis Mad Dogs. That is legit. Is that not an awesome T-shirt right there? That's legit. See, yeah. well. a Memphis Mad Dogs T-shirt. Anyway, uh, time flies when you're having fun. Uh, special thanks to Ricky Foley for dropping yeah, by this good. week. That and, was good. Uh, and, and you know what? Ricky, very candid and very uh, in on the hook. I think Ricky certainly feeling some emotions. Uh, and it's obviously an emotional time breaking up with a, your hometown team. But at the same time, also recognizing he's got a lot of friends and a lot of guys that he would consider family that he'd spent many years with with the boatmen and kind of grew up with that franchise for so many years. Hey, he's still a capable player, and no doubt somebody's going to land him in his services in the next few weeks, I'm sure, when he signs a guy who's got 60 career sacks, as you touched on uh, in that conversation earlier, and a guy who can be a ratio changer that people value that sort of importance. Davis, you were a ratio changer. I mean, there there's currency to be that guy, even in a situational down sort of well, player. Especially as a defensive lineman in the way defensive coordinators are using their their personnel nowadays is, you know, you'll come in with, you know, you can bring in a guy like Rick, 
take out take out an American, take out an American defensive end on second down, plop in a, a free safety or a nickelback that might be American for you know for your blitz package or whatever it may be. So there, there's a lot of things you can do with a guy, you know, having a guy like Rick on your roster who can still rush the passer. I don't know if he wants to play. Like he said later, he said he wants to be every down guy, and then later on he kind of said, you know what? It wouldn't be the worst to have a rotation because you know at that age, regardless, and Ricky's a physical specimen. He always has been. Yeah, he is. You know, but he's still, you're 34 years old. You you kind of need you know a rest, and I think you know for him to extend his career and also be valuable at the end of the season i think being a, a second down situation guys are probably a better situation for him uh for most of the year but he's a guy that you know guys play two or three linemen into outside linemen anywhere sorry three or four outside guys most teams do anyway but yeah he's a great tool for someone to have i expect him to get picked up pretty quickly you feel it at though at that age at 34 when you're when you're going every down i mean even from a, even from a secondary standpoint yeah, where it may not be as physical difference. but yeah, you're still running difference and it's it's different because you don't you don't have a you know i've always been a you know a starting uh, you don't have situational guys as a corner you're, a corner, you're either the corner or you're not you yeah know, pretty much so i i've never felt it in that way i just i just couldn't run anymore my last couple of years but in regards <laughs> to needing i didn't need a rest oh I that didn't, yeah that's like that's a key yeah, I didn't need I didn't need a rest. I just need to be faster. So I don't think getting me a rest was gonna help. But but yeah, but for Rick for Rick I think it's uh you know linemen definitely can, especially defensive linemen. Rotation is key. Where can we find you on Twitter, buddy? On oh, social I'm, media. I'm, I'm David Sanchez. Uh I'm David Sanchez on Twitter, Sanchez Davis, uh, number two on uh Facebook and Instagram or yeah, Facebook, Instagram, Sanchez Davis too, and I'm David Sanchez on Twitter. Yeah. There you go. You see ball, how do we find C Ball You can find me. How do you spell Sebalski anyway? I still don't know. C Y B U L S K I. Okay, and so you're James Sebalski everywhere? Uh at James Sebalski on Twitter, at James underscore Sebalski on Instagram. I have tried to find Whoever owns that at James Sabalski account, you would think you would think I know how to spell your name. Since, Way since, more common than you think. You think we'd be able to spell your name since we had our friends at Dip Dipped uh, Urban Gear in, in Vancouver make us make us sweaters with our with our names on in it. In theory, you think I know how to spell? I wear a hoodie with your name on. I should be able to spell your name. <laughs> yeah, but it's you know it's reversed in the mirror, right? So then it's really hard to kind of read that right way. now. Right now, Rubinoff is running around Toronto with your name on his chest. <laughs> it's all love, Jr. It's all love. That's Davis Sanchez. I'm James Sabolski. We hope you're feeling the love each and every week by subscribe by subscribing to the Waggle. And if you haven't done so already, you can find us in iTunes, uh, and it delivers a fresh, healthy take each and every week to your tablet, smartphone, or whatever device you are using. That's Davis. I'm James. We'll talk to you again next week. Later, everybody. We'll